comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. are now recording this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and abe is not here but um we're doing we're doing we're having some fun without abe this week uh, out now is a film podcast which normally has abe and i discussing new new movies but every now and then we like to have these special bonus episodes and this week we're doing our commentary for the month um, it is october normally you'd think we'd probably do some kind of horror movie but given that um myself and uh friends of the show brandon jason and jimmy are currently doing the uh, horror specials coming out every friday um, of October this month, uh, we are uh, we're doing something that's still in the, in the vein of horror, but not quite, because we're doing a Carpenter film. And um, I guess I can reveal that now. It is Escape from New York, uh, the Kurt Russell, John Carpenter team up. Uh, I believe they're what their second team up, if I'm not mistaken, after the like the TV Elvis movie. Am I right? Yes. About that? Yeah. 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 And uh, shut up, guests. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I'll just get right to it. Uh, I'll introduce the guests joining me for this. Um, we have. Uh, the Duke himself, Jim Dietz. I, th- I thought you were dead, Aaron. <laughs> uh, just a rumor. Um, I thought you were taller. Yeah. Um, and, of course, our own personal cabbie, Brandon Peters. Call me Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Oh, it's terrific. Great. Okay. Anytime I... you get to watch this movie, it's a special time. Well, any, it's any, a... time, any excuse to watch And this. I get to watch it with the man, Jim Dietz. It's, yeah. That's... Even oh better. please! It's, I it's, get to watch it with the man Brandon Peters. So. It's especially oh, yeah. a special time because Jim, this is your favorite movie. Pretty much, yeah. This is my favorite '80s action movie. Yeah, I, I'd put Road Warrior like number two, but this is definitely my favorite. Yeah, it's pretty much my favorite movie. I've watched it probably as much as I've watched you know Star Wars or any of those movies that you watch dozens and dozens of times. And uh, it's just it, a lot of film geeks, you know, when they talk about you know. Uh, um, collaborations between directors and actors, you know, they immediately go for like Scorsese and De Niro, you know, or whatever. But my one of my favorite collaboration on uh, periods is, you know, Kurt Russell and, and John Carpenter, starting with the Elvis TV movie, you know, on through Escape from New York and The Thing, and I mean, just a really great period of movies and some of my favorite movies of all time. Well, we'll, so. we'll certainly get into that as we go on, but for now, I just want to say it is your birthday this month, correct? Like, if not very far away either, right? No, the tw- yeah, I'm pretty close. Yeah, probably by the time this goes up, it'll be my birthday. Very cool. Happy birthday. Thank yeah. you so much. And what better way to celebrate one's birthday than talking about one of his favorite movies of all time in a commentary no. track? No, I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate it. So there we go. So with all that said, for people that are listening to this commentary, uh, you can either just listen along and not do anything else except listen, or you could you know, follow along with us as we watch the film together, because that's what Jim brings. Brandon and I are going to be doing. We have it all synced in right now. I know Brandon and I, we have the Blu-ray release, and on that we have it paused at 23, 25, somewhere around there seconds. Well, Jim, you're watching the VHS copy of Escape from New York. I am. If I, I am nothing if not old school. <laughs> so. There's no school like the old school, they say. Um, but with that said, we've all have it paused at the t- the initial logo, the initial title card logo, which, which reads Avco Embassy Pictures, etc., etc., um, so wherever you, if you want to watch the film with us, that's where you should pause it right now. Uh, so take the time to do that. 
And um, I guess we'll just I'll just count backwards from three. And on the sound of go, we'll all just press play and we'll start watching Escape from New York. And uh, we'll talk about the movie. So here we go. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one, go. Okay. Uh, so as we all know, we can't really hear it right now clearly, but what should be apparent is John Carpenter's score, of course, for this movie. Oh, yeah. This is what, it's great. I mean, all of his scores are awesome. And uh, Escape from New York is no exception. It's Absolutely. Great. Some really good driving music. I don't know when I, I remember you taking this soundtrack with me on a cross country drive once and, and driving at night. It's very, very good. That rhythmic kind of, you know, more textural music that he makes. Um, but yeah, definitely one of his, his best scores and a really good, uh, really great cast for this movie. A lot of oh, really yeah. good character writers, Lee Van Cleef or Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasant, uh, Harry, of course, and Harry Dean Stanton, one of my favorites. And, uh, just, you know, really good cast. It, it was interesting, you know, after Halloween and the fog, this is what, you know, and, and the Elvis project, this is what he chose to do. And, uh, it was, you know, really quite a departure from his other movies, you know, when it came. Yeah. Out. He was stepping out from horror, but I mean, he does have his horror sensibilities plugged in right here. And one thing I like about Carpenter is like he, his films, no matter if he had money or not, they look like he was trying to do as much as he could with as little money as possible. And it always comes out to show his creativity and help some of his films hold up a lot, too. And we'll definitely see that with the production design and, like, the future tech in this in this movie. Um, all, you know, all, the 80s uh, future tech all through this movie, it's just fabulous. I love it. Oh, yeah. The, the graphics, the, the whole production design, it's just really incredible. And the man who shot my childhood, Dean Cundy. <laughs> I want to like Carpenter in these early days. They had like a you know like kind of a, a fam family that just you know went from project to project with each other, which is really awesome. With like Carpenter and Cundy and Tommy Lee Wallace, you have Jamie Lee Curtis lends her voice here. Um, she was also in the Fog uh, during the time of the Fog. They picked up Tom Atkins, who starred in a couple Carpenter productions. Well, it uh, certainly feels like like almost like Orson Welles and kind of how he kind of kept his crew and yeah. cast with him. Right. Right? Like he. Carpenter is and very Nick much Castle. happy to... Nick yeah, Castle Nick, helped write it. He, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was Michael Myers and uh, also used his name for Tom Atkins' character in The Fog. Um, yeah, they just... It was this little group that, hey, where are we going next? Yeah. And, and, and plus, I mean, he you know he had done so well, made so much money with Halloween. He, the studio, you know, he was able to, you know, find funding for his films, so he was able to do what he wanted to do. You know, I mean, he did make you know, a big Hollywood movie with, you know, style movie with Starman. But, I mean, you know, as far as, like, you know, being able to have creative control over projects, he really did. And, again, because, like I said, he worked with the same people over and over in a lot of different movies and felt very comfortable with that. Here we go. I love I love these graphics. You know what? I've oh, yeah. said it before, and I'll say it again. Vector graphics will always be cool. They will okay. always look cool. This isn't even, this is like a, an animation. This so so this, is, this is Jamie Lee Curtis? Yep. This is Jamie Lee Curtis. Huh. Did not know that. She or also, I, I did, I forgot. She also played a uh, the intercom phone message voice in Halloween 3 as well. Oh, is it Adrian Barbeau who's in The Thing as the computer voice there? Or is it somebody uh, else? I can't remember. I'm pretty, I think I, Carpenter was still married to Barbeau at the time. Yeah, that's she, why I think they met was, on The yeah. Fog, and then the, the, the Thing was after this. Because I know it's, that's like the only female presence in the movie, the voice of the computer, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it's right. Barbo. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I found it. It is. Yeah. yeah. 
And Kurt Russell, the past yeah. of the future of the past. There we go. When and does, Kurt, Kurt Russell um, and Carpenter were working on this film while shooting The Fog. Like, um, there's a book coming out in a couple weeks, um, featuring a lot of behind the scenes photos of Carpenter's first like five uh, from like Halloween to the fa- or to Christine mm-hmm. uh, from back behind the scenes, and there's like pictures of uh, Kurt Russell in a cowboy hat and cowboy boots coming to visit the set of the fog and discuss Escape from New York with Carpenter, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and Kurt Russell, I mean, at the time this movie came out, really was not, like, anywhere near a bankable action star. No, this was, um, you know, this he was, was like, known putting by, uh, Bruce Willis's John McClane pretty much yeah. at the time. It was, you know, he'd done, he'd done Disney movies as a, as a you know child actor, as it were. Uh, he'd done some TV uh, stuff. And then, you know, this is really what, like, made him a viable action star in other movies like Tombstone and you know, movies he did down the line. That's a fun matte painting. Yeah, it's very matte painting indeed. He could tell from the, the sky, I think, most of all. It's of accurate. It. Two towers are still up, and it's 1997, so it's accurate. There you go. When does, <laughs> when does L.A. take place, you know, offhand? Uh, 97. It doesn't or take place, um, I think. I can look it nine, up. Or 2000. 2000 on August, well, on August 2000 the earthquake strikes the ones that 2013 that's 2013 okay. okay so we're a year past that a year past it yeah I'm, I'm sure Map to the Stars Eddie played by Steve Buscemi has all the lowdowns on the history right <laughs> that's a movie um we can talk about it that later was. if we want to yeah it was a movie we'll we'll get there if we want when did you, uh, Jim did you see this in theaters when you I did saw I saw it in theater opening weekend I ended up seeing it I think twice that weekend too okay um, I was yeah, I was living, I was, uh, you know, I think I, this was 81? Yes. Yeah. 81, so I was like 13, 14 years old. But, uh, yeah, I remember watching it and then immediately watching it again that same day. By the way, uh, Carpenter, like, he, he was like Woody Allen. I mean, he, he was making a movie a year at this point. Like, he had a Sold in Precinct, thir- like, dark, okay, Dark Star 74, Sold in Precinct 13, 76, Halloween 78, then it's just nonstop. Elvis seventy nine, Fog eighty, New York eighty one, Thing eighty two, Christine eighty three, Starman eighty four. Like he just he just kept making movies. He was busy. Yeah. And he was I mean he was did um, solid work in the nineties. Too were too many gaps between his films. And then oh yeah, Tr- Trouble in Little China is eighty six. I can keep going. Darkness eighty seven. They yep. live eighty eight. Memoirs of the Invisible Man is ninety two. That's like a big gap right there. And then Body mm-hmm. Bags ninety three, Madness ninety five, Village of the Dam ninety five. L.A. '96, Vampires '98. Like it, you know, he, he was working a lot. <laughs> Pittsburgh's yeah. own Tom Atkins, everybody. There he is. Oh yes, Pittsburgh's the pride of Pittsburgh. Tom Atkins. I love Tom Atkins. I don't know what it is he brings. He's just maybe it's that man's man thing or something. I don't know. But I love, I love, I love that, that font, man. That Battlestar Galactica font they're using there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Look at these tracking head. shots. They're just panning around. Yeah. You can definitely just see that it's you know Dean Cundey and John Carpenter's style. Like it's so minimal and simplistic and just moves that's what one thing i think that holds up with carpenter's films is that the guy knew how to frame a shot like mm-hmm. he knew how to put everything and it holds up so well yeah absolutely here's another question i was going to ask early on before we move on to things of uh, the title sequence it's all just it's just letters did, mm-hmm. did, was he doing that was the is the thing like that too uh yeah and um so is prince of darkness prince of darkness is like that i know halloween's obviously not like that because it has the kid no. but even then it's still pretty simple it just has the evocative music and the, the jack-o'-lantern image um I think it's all in Prince 13's the same way. I, I'm pretty sure it is too. I watched that pretty recent when the when the Blu-ray came out. I don't. I, don't, I haven't seen Dark Star in forever, so I don't remember anything yeah. about that movie. Okay. Russell. 
and like he, and he looks so normal too. Like it's not mm-hmm. like they're it's not like they're you know shooting him from below and making him look like a big tall guy. He just looks like an average Joe wearing a leather jacket, like or you know rough yeah. jacket. Like he doesn't look like an imposing force. He looks like a guy that's you know gruff. Well, he looks like the guy that just got picked up for a drunk bar fight. <laughs> yeah. You know, he you know he's you could contain him easily. That kind of look, like okay, we got him. But and I love the the lines. This part is great when he's walking in. And you watch all the prison staff like checking it out, like, oh look, it's Snake Bliskin. Wow, you know. But it's like, who do we see here? We just see this guy. He's not particularly tall. He's not muscle-bound. He's just like, right. hey, look, look at this guy. He's got an eye patch. That's intriguing. <laughs> it's, the, it's the attitude. It's all in the attitude. It is the Yeah, it is, as the kids say. It is the swag, and it's the delivery, you know. Which is great, it's, like, here. Like a parody, like Eastwood it, parody, almost. Here, mm-hmm, and, almost. Like, and like the thing, and then you get to Big Trouble in Little China, where he's not that. <laughs> oh, no, he's yeah. like 180 degrees from that, yeah. yeah. Then Captain Ron happens. It's like, I don't even know what to think anymore. Master Ninja. And here, Levon, you know Carpenter was geeking out having Levon Cleef being a Western fan. Oh, totally. That he is, totally. you know, he's like, oh my gosh, I got Levon Cleef. Which, where was where was he at in his career at this time? Was he Probably just kind hanging, of hanging Donald out. Pleasant's coming back to... He was something? doing a TV show called Master Ninja with Timothy Van Patten. Okay. Hmm. Right around this time, the early 80s. Uh, basically, they traveled around in a van together, and he was, uh, you know, the the only uh, uh, Caucasian to have been taught the secrets of the ninja, and he was passing them on to Timothy Van Patten. He died in '89, so yeah, he's only and he's only like yeah. it's like fifties, like mid fifties right now in this movie. I love I love this radar. Yeah, <laughs> it's like ooh, it's very futuristic because it's radar. <laughs> They're allowed to smoke in there too, by the way. Yes, a lot of smoking in this movie. Atkins has to smoke. Here's a little 2001 homage <laughs> for the shot. Even the shots go like just the way they're lit up by the kind of the, the monitors and stuff in the room. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, they had to step it's, over there to have that bit of dialogue and right. come back. And that was like all one shot, by the way, too. Like, it's just yeah. like there's some nice stuff here. It's all exposition, obviously. It's paced how it is, but it works. I just I like the way it hits the ground running too. It doesn't waste any time. It gets right into, you know, what what's going on, the situation. It lays it out and then, you know, sets sets uh, Russell loose. Well, know? nowadays we'd get the movie, and even like a movie like Space Jail. Nice model. Sorry. Yeah, right. We, we get a movie like Space Jail or Lockout, which does it somewhat effective, where you or there for but but still it has the same thing where you have to like set up who this guy is. You have to show him getting caught. You have to show all the stuff that leads up to the, oh, yeah, also there's a kidnapping plot or whatever going on. This is a movie that just kind of jumps right to it. It's like, yeah, we already got the guy, so we already the, have the uh, weapon made. The nurse from Halloween. Yeah. Right here, uh-huh. um, who married the director of Halloween 2, Rick Rosenthal, and returned for Halloween H2O. H2O. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dig the 70s airplane. <laughs> Probably a lot of smoke on that. Yep, you can smoke oh, on that. <laughs> nice and here's our president. Now, I noticed this watching us uh, yesterday in preparation. Check out the Christmas lights on the map in the back. Yeah. I don't understand, like, what what's the point of having the blinking lights on every single spot, you know? Does Donald Pleasant seem younger in this movie than he does in Halloween? Oh, yeah, because he's clean cut. He's clean cut and spry. 
right? Well, he looks good now, but I mean, later in the movie, he's pretty disheveled. Even then, he's still moving around and stuff. Like in Halloween, it just seems like I guess he's so consumed by the his patient Michael that he he, he just feels kind of not quite like old like Max von Sydow and Exorcist old, but he does feel he just feels more aged because of what he's been going through. Where in this movie, he just feels like he looks like a president. He looks like a spry guy. That's what I remember. Who has a weird map painting again? There it is. Mm-hmm. That was almost like a Star Wars shot, by the way, with like one trooper standing there as a plane. Yeah, <laughs> I love this. I love this model shot here. This is so so cool. You look at this stuff, and it is kind of <laughs> it shows switch, its age. You notice they switch over to the graphics, you know, the computer graphics for the impact, you know, because they couldn't afford to really do oh, those yeah. effects. So we're going to show you the Atari Twenty Six Hundred version. Yeah. And this is back when computers had giant banks of lights for no reason. Yes, blinking lights meant science stuff. Yes. 97, guys. Yeah. Where was, this, where was this film? Do you guys know? Now, I know that um, the city the, the, the city parts were filmed in St. Louis. Because mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Russell was talking about it on an AFI interview not too long ago. That he they were filming and they don't really... he did, Carpenter didn't really get like all the permits that he really needed to film. So he just was kind of filming on the streets, and he turned a corner, and he ran into this, like, gang of young toughs or whatever, dressed as Snake Plissken, with the gun in his hand. He didn't know how they were going to react to him or whatever, and they were just like, yo, what's up? And they walked <laughs> on by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they found, like, a really rough film. area, too, right? Yeah. That they were, like, filming in. But I'm not sure where the military stuff was shot. It looked like it's all St. Louis. Yeah, that's a good YouTube video, by the way. If you're a fan of the movie, Kurt Russell has some some good uh, remembrances of, of making it. So we should talk about the uh, what we're watching it on, which is a very bare bones Blu-ray. There was a collector's edition DVD, which I have, right? Um, that has the commentary. And by the way, if you're listening to us talking, you've never listened to Kurt Russell and John Carpenter talk about this movie. Turn this off and listen to that because it's amazing. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. they're they're great together. Any any comment, any chance you get to hear them talk about a movie together, do that. Like just let's go into that. But um, what we have now is just nothing. And apparently, Brandon, there is a Blu-ray coming next year. Yes, correct? Scream Factory is releasing a collector's edition. Oh, so if you like theirs, they you know you'll get um some sweet new what they call remix cover art on a sleeve and then like the you can probably have the original poster which is they'll probably go with the Statue of Liberty one which is one of my favorite posters of all time uh-huh. as the yeah. reversible insert and they will probably have some great bonus material hopefully get Kurt Russell to sit down and they'll they'll get Carpenter that they they basically are cataloging his entire career they do a good they do a good job with their releases usually. I mean, I oh, caught yeah. quite a few things from Shout and Scream Factory. And... They're they're like the criterion of like horror and and like genre schlock, yeah, genre yeah. schlock. Yeah. So it's it's I love all the releases. That poster is amazing, by the way. That's a good, mm-hmm. that's a great poster. And I I know like like Cloverfield was inspired was partially inspired yeah. by that poster with the Statue of Liberty oh, head yeah. on the ground. Because they wanted they that part that never happens in this movie and. Like Abrams was like, I want to make a movie where that happens. It's such an evocative image too, though. I mean, yeah. uh, you you get you get an, It's the kind of image where you just you get the idea of what's happening. It's like, yep, all right, New York sucks now. <laughs> like we got to yeah. get this, here. This character's name is Romero, as in as an homage to George Romero. Mm-hmm. I like how he kind of 
he stages his, his entrance here after he already walks up. It's like, let me put my head yeah. down. Let me get into character. Okay. What's up? I, I do like this dialogue. I do like that very kind of short and to the point, um, given Lee Van Cleef, the Lee Van Cleef of all people, given him the business about yeah. what's going on. <laughs> is you got like this weird guy that looks like one of the rejects of the Lost Boys, like telling Lee Van Cleef what to do. Right. List of people not to mess with. It's a mix of like Rufio and Keeper Sutherland from the Lost Boys. So two different Lost Boys yes, like, melded different. together. With, with like a hint, the, of, with a hint of like David Patrick Kelly from the Warriors, like it's like all of that. A little bit, a little bit of the uh, the geeky kid from Fright, the original Fright Night after yeah, he became Ed. a vampire. Oh, evil Ed, yeah, you're evil so Ed. cool, Brewster. <laughs> oh, you're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> these, yeah, these helicopter shots are awesome. Yeah, we should talk about the Warriors, by the way, at some point. That's a fun movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Warriors. I, I really like the Warriors a lot. Like too Look much. at that. That is awesome. That's a great shot. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's Charles Cyphers, who's another carpenter player. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Which one which one's in Halloween three? Is it Atkins uh, or Cyphers? Uh, Atkins. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. I mix them up yeah. sometimes. <laughs> they can be... Atkins and uh, um Tommy Lee Wallace's ex wife, um, who played Annie in the first one or in Halloween uh three. Yeah. Yeah. She's in Halloween three, she's in uh She's in The Fog and Assault on Precinct 13, as well as Halloween. What a good set of movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she didn't do like much. Fun. She, she yeah. pretty much got uh, quit acting after that. Yeah. yeah. Which I always, I always enjoyed I her this. presence in those movies, I love this shot here. Oh, yeah, the, the shadow. shadow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have, lot, you have a very shadowy office, sir. <laughs> it's pretty awesome because we've already seen Snake. And yeah, it's just a cool reveal scene. Yeah. Awesome. Has he talked? Has he talked yet? Not yet. not spoken anything, right? Yeah. Which is a fun credit, because we're about to see him talk for the first time. It's, you know, 18 minutes into the movie. <laughs> so, yep. Call me Snake. Let me put on my big silly glasses so I can read this to you. <laughs> I'd like to note that my, my uh, two-and-a-half-year-old son knows who Snake Plissken is, but he's never seen the movie because Daddy has a Escape from New York t-shirt, as well as it was the background on my phone. For a while, the uh, the poster I sent you, Jim, that foreign one that I saw in yeah, yeah. that movie, that was pretty awesome. That was an awesome poster too. I there's had... a whole ten, well, there's a whole generation of, of kids who know Snake Plissken who never saw this movie just from playing Metal Gear Solid. Metal Solid, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's totally. I mean, they even refer to him as Plissken in the in the games. Like, uh, well, yeah, obviously his name's Snake, and yeah, he uses Plissken as like a code name at some point in like the sequel mm-hmm. game. But yes, I mean. And yeah, that's a whole, you know, Kojima, there's a whole podcast we can talk about about Kojima's, yeah, no his, doubt. His, his film influences, because he's a huge Bond movie fan, he loves Carpenter films, like he, mm-hmm. he, and he puts all of that into his video games, into Metal Gear Solid series especially, I mean, it, and you, you see it with all the names and the references and the, you know, the little bits of dialogue and things like that, it's really, it's fun, it's, as a film fan, it's fun to play those games and see those references pop up and understand where he's coming from on some of this. Like Snake, the game Snake Eater, Metal Gear Solid Three, that it has like a whole Bond intro sequence with a woman singing a song called Snake Eater. It's really like fun. Right, <laughs> I remember that. Anyway. That was the one with the really, really old guy who was the sniper. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The the end was his name. The yeah. end. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, back to this. So we're establishing Snake's character. We're getting a sense of who this man is. Now he's not just, like, gruff bar fight guy. He's like, oh, yeah, this guy's apparently some kind of, like, hero that's fallen from good graces. And and, and I'd like to mention, this is all you need. We don't need a movie yeah. that explains how Snake got here. 
Mm-hmm. He's much right. better being just this guy. They don't saddle him with a huge backstory. You, you understand that at one point he was a hero, but some of them were down the line he did wrong. Now this, you know, he's given him this last chance to redeem himself. That's all you need to know, and you're yeah. absolutely right. You know, economy of storytelling is the way to go. Yeah, and it's the way Carpenter was. I mean, he, you know, you didn't have to spoon feed everything. He kept things simple. And there's some, overbloat. There's some fun framing by having an American flag behind him in that scene too. It's, just, it's there's little things all throughout this movie. Now we get this stuff. We get the we get the arming scene. <laughs> we get the yeah. <laughs> Which is like stars. ninja stars, like a, a little tiny pistol, <laughs> apparently measuring tape of some kind. Yeah, it looks what like, is that? A, like a, a, a couple, a few fortune cookies. It seems or something like giant walkie-talkie <laughs> that he can like easily put away. For as bare bones as Blu-ray is, it has a nice transfer on it. Yeah, it does look good. For what it, I, I can't wait to see. You know, the director-approved version that'll come out. Oh yeah, year, they get cunt. Con- well, actually, they're good with the. Uh, with Cundy, he's approved. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Cundy. A couple yeah. of their transfers, so they could probably get him back. Like the fog looks excellent. Oh yeah, the fog looks great. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not even. That's I mean, that's not a favorite Carpenter movie of mine. That's just a movie I enjoy watching. But I mean, it, it's like if I'm gonna watch the fog, I'm glad I have that Screen Factory Blu-ray because it looks oh, amazing. Oh yeah. yeah, it does look amazing. I agree. And then the, the one he did on Halloween recently last year, that's otherworldly. As good as it looked before on Blu-ray, now it looks amazing. I like that there's like some kind of biology lesson going on in this room over here. Yes. <laughs> Yet there's a vending machine over in the corner. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. With, lights, with lights on it, you know. Just for the taste of it, Diet Coke. That's because. Like some red hots before I go, please. <laughs> sit on the dryer. What was this guy doing like all day before? Get, getting medical stuff together. I guess so, right? <laughs> the poison's real in this movie, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, like, because in L.A. it's not real, right? That's, like, part of it. They, like, well, it's, it's not even poison. It's, like, little explosives. No, it's something yeah, like it's, that, yeah. But it's, like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bluff in that movie, right? Yeah. But this movie, it's real. No, in this movie, it's real, because, like, yeah. well, at the very, not, spoilers, <laughs> but, the, like, the first thing they have him do when he, uh, get, you know, he gets back is to hit him with the radiation and neutralize him. I love, I love the idea that, that by the way, there's a poison that without like not not one second more you will die from. It. Yeah. Like, yep. Right. <laughs> it's not an estimate. It's exactly no amount the time. of play there. No no amount of play at all there. And one second you're alive, one second you're dead. I'm sorry. It's just perfectly timed that way. Like it's 1997, they perfected it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> once again, look at. I mean, he's kind of suited up to an extent here, but it's not. He's still, you know, he's he's not a scrawny guy, but he's not big. Like it's just Kurt Russell. No. I mean, you see him later when you know in the in the gladiator scene or whatever. It's like, it's not like he's buff or whatever. He's yeah. just yeah. But you know what he looks like? Shit. A good basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh boy. None of that backcourt press bullshit. <laughs> that's my favorite lines of that movie. <laughs> To, for the record, I don't hate Escape from L.A. No. I, I think that movie, it has its moments. It has some really bad moments, but I think it has its moments. And it, Oh, and I hate it. I totally hate it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tell you I what, thought, though. It, I thought it was, was a betrayal. <laughs> I, uh, I was super, super, super pumped for Escape from L.A. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see a snake movie in the theater. Like, got all, you know, jazz about it. I saw it, and I was like, oh, because, I mean, I, I was expecting something different, and it wound up being kind of the same movie. That's good. But, you know, it took me a while. I softened up to it. It's it's not. It, I, I can watch it. I think it certainly well, comes from my age, because I saw that movie 
around the same time that I saw New York, and it's not like I had a huge affinity for New York by the time I saw it. So I, I, I can I can see where I, I wasn't, you know, there wasn't a building anticipation in my mind of like, oh, man, there's a sequel too coming out finally. Like, that's not where I was at with yeah. it. I just, I wish they had left well enough alone. It's funny because uh, Carpenter and Russell, they like it. Like they're, yeah. <laughs> they, they yeah. seem, like they've talked about it, like you know, recently, like on these commentaries. Like, I think they talk about it on this commentary, where they're they're very ha- they're pleased with the results they got. I feel like they they probably don't like it more than this movie, but they they feel it's like the they only knew. Time what, Carpenter directed a sequel. They feel like they knew what they were doing. I think it's because he was working with his buddy Kurt Russell. That's honestly what I think. It yeah, is. he said. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he said if it wasn't for Kurt, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Because Kurt was, sense. I think Kurt was trying to you know, make some sort of comeback at the time. It feels like Kurt Russell. We can talk about that. I feel, I feel like Kurt Russell's always trying to make a comeback. Like it, it seems like this he, movie was a comeback. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you look at his. Well, this movie was try, trying to break him out of the mold of you know, uh, nice an guy, older child star, Disney nice movies. guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because he was in like the computer wore tennis shoes and like all these like gimmicky. Yeah, all these gimmicky like sixties. Uh, Disney movies, and then he ended up being on a lot of television, like you say, Brandon, he was on Lost in Space, he was on The Rifleman, you know, he was on a lot of, like, those genre shows from the 60s. So, I mean, he's, he, this is, a you know, him trying to break out of that of that child actor mold and, you know, establish himself as an adult, not only an adult actor, but, like, an action hero. And Which is basically what he did for a good time, like, through the, through the 80s up into, yeah. up into the 90s, really, like, I mean, big, I mean. Right. Give they or, made comedies give, with Goldie Hawn. Yeah, yeah, give or take Overboard and um, dude, what's the other one? Uh, there's a couple of them. Captain Ron. Captain. Captain. Ron. I mean, yeah, in terms of like his fun comedy stuff, but his I mean, for other the eye patch character. For the most part, I mean, you have you know the thing, you have Big Trouble, you have Tequila Sunrise, you have Tango and Cash and Backdraft. I mean, and these are all coming fairly in Tombstone, obviously Stargate. Like they're all coming around each other. And he's got like a a good array of like gallery of characters that are just so distinct to him that he's built up over time too, and he's never really like played them again, <laughs> other side from Snake. Yeah, yeah, and even I mean he he just he, I wish he'd do more drama. Like you have like Silkwood is like one of, like the few of during that time he gets one of those kind of higher acclaimed dramas that is in and like I guess backdraft would be another kind of attempt at something similar to that where it's not just straight action guy. Oh, wasn't he in the mean season? Mean season, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a drama, so but yeah, I mean this was him trying to break out, you know, throw off those child star things and show show off, you know, some you know action movie chops and like you said, Aaron, it worked out for him for you know For a good long time. It's not like he goes good, away. Good while, it's yeah. just more of I mean, he, he honestly, I think he just—he's very comfortable with his life, which is where he doesn't have to, you know, yeah. be a guy that has to constantly act in movies. He's married. He's got his—he's got, you know, his de facto daughter. I love the playing with myself line. That line makes me laugh all the time. <laughs> yeah. Playing with myself. What do you think? What do you think? He's—he's. Uh, he's, I mean, he gets to—he kind of just does what he wants. I mean, he was in Django Unchained and then dropped out just because yeah, he didn't want. And then, I mean, then he just—he picks to be in Fast and Furious Seven, which. Got me even more jazzed about that movie. Well, you have Death Proof, where he plays an iconic, like yeah. he plays a, yeah, one of the more iconic say, villains of recent years in terms of like horror land. <laughs> yeah, he kind of plays totally against type in that too. I mean, he's his character is, you know, almost you know just a step above nobody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Supposed to be the heroic character, or whatever. So I mean, it really works him playing against that. You know, this type. It's weird. No, so there's no railing around the roof of the. Yeah. 
yeah. trips there. You know, I like so. that shot. That's a fun kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's a mix of practical effects that I. I was gonna say, you notice it. Good thing he easily got out of that plane, apparently. Yeah. Just kind of walked out. Like, like, look at his swagger. Like, look at him just walking. Like, it's a. <laughs> just let's get this done. Yep. Go to the old fuse box here. And I love that part of the fun of this movie is like you, you're going in here, they tell you what's in there, but you really don't know what to expect. It's very, you know, last guy on earth type thing. You mean in New York in general or? Yeah, when he goes in here to the prison, you don't, I mean, he's not oh, yeah, immediately running into people and, or crowds or anything. You don't, you slowly get the gist of how things are. I mean, before this, you just have that one creepy guy and a lot of empty streets. Which doesn't change, but I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's crowd scenes, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, for the most part, it's a pretty, I mean, it's not, it's not an action-packed movie. I mean, there's action no, in it, it's, but it's, it's more, it's, uh. There's a little bit of mystery, and I mean, Carpenter's horror elements come into play with, like, scenes like this and the way they're lit and stuff. It's pretty cool. There's, it's, yeah, it's more than action, it's suspense. You back, Jim? Yep. There we go. So, uh, yeah, suspense is a good way to put it. I mean, which fits for, you know, a Carpenter movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Look at Russell stuff now, by the way. It's pretty diverse. I mean, you have Death Proof, Poseidon, um, Sky High, which I actually really like. Um, yeah, Art of the Steel. Art of the Steel recently, yeah. where yeah. He, he plays kind of against type in that. He plays up his cool, but he's still kind of like schlub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was an okay movie. And, you know, Miracle. Uh, yeah, dark. that was the name of that. I was trying to think of the title of the hockey movie. Yeah, Miracle, which I mean, it has a memorable speech in there. I mean, it gets some cred right there. Dark Blue is another David Ayer gritty cop movie. Best, I remember Best of Times with him and Robin Williams. That was kind of fun. Eighties mm-hmm. uh, comedy. For the record, Dark Blue was written by David Ayer and James Elroy, actually, and directed by Ron Shelton. It's like a hodgepodge of everyone that makes L.A. cop movies who was making big <laughs> That was supposed to be a huge comeback for him, too. Like, there was, like, when that came out, there, there was a little bit of Oscar buzz for him. That's that's but, what I'm saying, though. It's like you look at these kind of stages in his career where, like, he takes a couple years off, then he comes back, and it seems like, oh, yeah, Kurt Russell's back. And then, you know, just now he's just doing another role. But, and then, yeah, like, that, that kind of shot right here. Oh yeah, yeah, with the plane and everything. Yeah, it's great. Like short of like the the sets that we get to with the Duke later on, this seems like the most expansive stuff on mm-hmm. city streets, beyond like the bridge and like the you know the mm-hmm. the set stuff in terms of like outdoor big big set pieces. Big set yeah. pieces. This, is, this this is a good one. <laughs> oh yeah, it's great. The tracking shot, no less, too, to really take it in. And I mean that stuff's really there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Crazy. Yeah, that's the big part of it. Yeah, there's a there's like, a broken the, the up airplane there, on fire. Yeah. The airplane's there. <laughs> it's crazy to think about that. Boy, that was one futuristic walkie-talkie. Song. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love the antennas as big as him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How big are these pockets that he's carrying all this stuff around? <laughs> <laughs> he just, like, shoves this away. It's like a video game where you can hold a rocket launcher, a shotgun. Yeah, he's got a bag of holding. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. keep it going. There's his, like, tracker from Alien. Mm-hmm. I borrowed this from my friend Dallas. 
What do you think's playing at the old movie theater? Actually, we'll find out, won't we? Old Manhattan. It's the Velvets, dude. Come on. Musical. It's a yeah, the Velvets. I I just love the, the well. We're coming up to it here pretty quick, but once he goes into the theater, or whatever the the, sh- the panning shot of like the audience, and then they focus on Borgnine. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just having the time of his of his of his life, <laughs> watching this review, just like clapping his hands and uh, just. Great, great stuff. He gets it. He knows where he is. I like how he holds it as if it's going to be locked. Who do you think operates this theater, by the way? No one. Criminals. (laughs) Looks like Tom Waits is at the door there. Guys, guys, guess what? We got to do. If you, I'm handing out flyers. I wrote about myself, and uh, we're going to be playing one of the movies tonight. We only got a couple of these left, so uh, let's get ready. It's my own production. (laughs) (laughs) The good news is when we had an entire movie survive, the bad news is it was movie 42. (laughs) What do you think rehearsals are like for this? This is great. I just love this reveal behind this guy. Yeah. Borgnine, he died this year? Uh, he did die. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I know he that. passed it away is. recently. No, it was, 2000, it was uh, a, couple, a couple years ago, 2012. As well. I was thinking of somebody else I also recently talked about. Um, something. But yeah, yeah Borgnine. 95, I mean, yeah, lived a life. He was, he was married to Ethel Merman for a while. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough. Excuse me, I'm going to walk around with this big gun back here. Don't mind me. Sweet pants guy. Sweet hat, Cabby. My cool. name is Col- Colin Jit. <laughs> must have been killed. I got interrupted. Okay. Uh, I'm like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> he dictated, ah. Uh, or no, perhaps he was dictating. <laughs> he would have dictated himself going, ah. He says, ah. I'm like, ah, for the back of the throat. Huh. We got to Monty Python and the Holy Grail from Escape from New York. There you go. Of course. Why not? Or is his name Colum? I, I, mean, I, I, I see an M. That's why. I uh-huh. We didn't mention it, by the way, but his glider, it landed on the World Trade Center building. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I guess... Landed on, not in. And, and is the plan was the plan originally to get back on the glider and fly it back? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that yes, plan never seemed like it was going to work, like, ever. Because that's where they're trying to get to at the end of the movie before they go to the bridge. They're trying to get to the World Trade Center and they get cut off. Yeah, but it's like, that's, that plan seems horrible. Like, we were going to take off in that? <laughs> Together? It was like it barely holds him. But I guess Lee Van Cleef knows oh. that Snake's resourceful. Snake just doesn't care to intervene. What do you think some of these people did to get here? Oh, you know, usual stuff. Pirating videos. Jaywalking. <laughs> I guess this person's been around since, what, 88, I think it says? So, I mean, we're... Yeah. 
Yeah. They've had some time, I guess, to reflect on their actions that brought them to this place. This this terror known as Manhattan. Yep, just beating a guy. He didn't like the show. <laughs> I found the third act pedantic! <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, the homeless guy from Back to the Future. Is it? Yeah. Huh. He's just it's around. It's reminded me of a Brooklyn hipster, but. Yeah. <laughs> Fun trivia: Snake Plissken's eye patch was suggested by Kurt Russell. Hmm. Hmm. Look at those light brights; those are huge. Hey, this song goes out to Snake Plissken. (laughs) (laughs) So among the other options for Plissken, you had Tommy Lee Jones and Charles Bronson. Was this before uh, Rolling Thunder? Or this was after? It was after Rolling Thunder. Oh, yeah, we'll get that guy. God, Bronson. Hey, don't (laughs) call call me Snake. <laughs> I'm looking for the president. I get that a lot. <laughs> Playing with myself. What do you think, Bucko? You can tell it's the president because they have no no regard for littering whatsoever. Is that a whole street or is that a mat at the end? I think it looks like a mat at the end, like right? the very at the it's far like end of like that yeah. one corner there. It's like it's extended up, but it could be. Maybe it is just a really cool little system of lights. Probably a mat, though. (laughs) It probably was. Yeah. If George Lucas had directed this, he would have fixed it for home video. (sighs) I'm glad that that egg fell standing up. Like, the the Air Force One evacuation system works pretty well, it seems. Well, it's it's Weeble technology. It wobbles. (laughs) It falls down. Are there any animals in this? Do we see anything? Like life? Like rats or anything? So. Like even That's rats? Let's be on Rat Watch. Let's see if we notice anything like that. That I just find that interesting to an extent. What are they eating, by the way? Do they, like the, Does the government do drops? Do we say that at all? Or? Maybe some of that terminus barbecue that they have in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Nice coat. Yeah. Nice coat. All right, so. Okay. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) That was something that happened. Boy, I didn't even see his legs there with that urban camo. Yeah. It blends right in. And that, like, gun he's carrying. Really gives him a sense of style. Um, who do we have here? Oh, you know. It's the people, the crazies. Right. 
It's a lot of like because he's it's the baseball furies. No. Yes, the baseball. Furies. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the orphans. They're the best. Um, like I get it's you get a lot of this in this move where it's it could be tightened, I guess, but at the same time, it's like it's just creating a mood, and it's it's very carpenter. It's very well, kind of to the very, chaos. And yeah, it does. It's, it's, it's old, of chaos, you know. It's old school filmmaking of kind of taking the time to, to kind of let things play out as they do. Like a Western. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of Westerns. There's a lot yeah, of... There's some rats right there. There, there we go. go. All right. Yeah. Got some animal play. So that there's... falls through the floor. Ooh. Nice noir lighting here. The lattice. And the special, here, it's the special appearance by Susan Hubley. There we go. That's what I, that's what I was like waiting for. <laughs> I was like, when's Susan Hubley getting here? That's <laughs> what I said in the credits. <laughs> something, something to talk about. So they were married at this time. They uh, were. I can't say the, the chemistry shines in this scene, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you think, I mean, you so you introduce a character like this, you think they're probably going to stay around. And no, Carpenter just takes her away pretty quickly. Yeah, mm -hmm. takes her right out. Again, I think it just adds to the whole chaos. I mean, you don't really know what's going to happen because he breaks those kind of conventions in this movie. You know, you have, you have scenes, like you said, that just kind of meander from one place to another. You have characters that you get to know and then you immediately lose, you know. Um, even the way he wins in the in the you know the gladiatorial fight is like subverts expectation. So that's one of the things I love about this movie. You know, he's really really an antihero. I mean, he immediately you know when he finds the 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 president's you know giant digital watch tracker or whatever, he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. Forget this. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, we just watched this. This girl was getting you know molested, and he just walked on by because right it's by. not his business. Yep. yep. It's about as anti-heroes against. Mm -hmm. And the way, I mean, just Russ, the way Russell plays him, I mean, even when he's not talking, he just looks gone. Like, <laughs> you know? He's seen too much, done too much. Yeah. And there she goes, and she's gone for the rest of the movie. Yep. Like, I feel like if he wasn't doing this uh, and he was not arrested, his life would be just, like, sitting, staring at a wall, <laughs> yeah. waiting for something to happen. <laughs> He'd be like Jack Torrance in The Shining, just kind of sitting and looking <laughs> before, yes. like, everything all, all hell breaks to loose. See, so, yeah, and, 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 things start to pick up now, which is what I was kind of waiting yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you, get, you get more going on because the, the world's starting to... It's starting to, you know, coalesce into this thing of like, all right, I, I, there's some urgency, so I guess I should probably do what I need to do because I can't just stay here. And if you forget, he has a giant digital watch on his arm counting it down. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I wonder if he knew that whole door was going to come down or if he was supposed to just kick it in initially. <laughs> I do like that too. Let me drill a hole in the wall. Yep. Awesome. 
there's some cool like stunt work here, you know, done by Kurt Russell. He's climbing yeah. out of things and hopping fences and stuff. It's easy. I mean, oh, he's not gonna be very Yep. There. <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> that giant yeah. thing's now <laughs> off me. <laughs> now we're gonna have more. Uh, we're gonna have fewer uh, scenes of Lee Van Cleef in front of the microphone. Mm. Right. Yeah, Taking requests so cool. all night long. <laughs> What's well, kind of fun. I mean, you look at it this way, and you look at it as uh, Snake Plissken slowly being stripped away of everything he has we're going for him. Like, he had a right. pl- he had a, he had a vehicle, which is gone. He had a sense of purpose in terms of how to find the president, which was using the armband. Now he lost his communication to the other world. Like, it's it's slowly taking it. I mean, eventually he's going to be, you know, shirtless with no gun. So, I mean, it, it, it is neat to see kind of the the de-evolution of his character as it draws him yeah. deeper and deeper into the the, the the terror of New York. He comes fully prepared, but you know when the time comes to actually get his mission going on, he's got nothing. All he has is like a, a weird friendship with Cabby and like the the uh, begrudging relationship with Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> right, the history of brain. Yeah. I like that Cabby's prepared for hooliganism with Molotov cocktails. Oh yeah. I'm also glad that he's able to fill up his, his gas tank occasionally so he can keep driving his cab around. Right. Old habits. Yes. And he's got a bunch of cassette tapes. Oh, yeah, you know. He loves his show tunes. I just, I just love the way Borgnine plays it. Just totally, like, uh, optimistic and, and happy and just, like, you know, happy to help. You know what I mean? Just, it, just, yeah. it seems so incongruous in this in this environment. Certain matte paintings in this film were rendered by James Cameron, who was at the time a special effects artist with Roger Corman's New World Pictures. Mm. Interesting. That's funny, especially because, you know, Terminator Did comes he ever do like... anything after this? Yeah, J- Jimmy Cams, um, yeah. he made... Um... He wrote a Spider-Man spec script. Yeah, he wrote, yeah, he okay. wrote a really... Yeah, didn't, he get, was, didn't get made. He was like the Shane gotcha. Black of his day, some would say. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah. Never amounted to much, but Jimmy Cam's, you know, someday he'll get something going for him. He's he's friends with some Austrian guy, and I think he's like he's like his his cousin knows Bill Paxton, so he'll probably make he used, it up. He used to be married to Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Okay. She she blew up. Shame yeah, about, she's awesome. Shame about Cam. Everybody knows her. Yeah, she's great. I could be that you know angry internet fanboy that's like trying to sound cool. That James Cameron hasn't done anything cool since Escape from New York. <laughs> <laughs> David Venture has been cool since Return of the Jedi. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Love these shots. They're just, yeah. I mean, a lot of green. Tandy's work is amazing. I'm noticing a lot of green in these shots, by the way. A lot of yeah. like kind of not neon, but just kind of a green tint in these sequences. You know, it's just not again. You know, it's that kind of just sparse. You know, just what you need kind of camera angles. Nothing too fancy or weird to take you out of the story. And green without looking like you're inside of a sprite bottle. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that new Apple iWatch I is going to catch on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the pictures aren't rendered very well. I think that's yeah. the main issue. Who's me? 
still kind of while we're waiting for Harry Dean Stanton to make his entrance. What do you guys think of the the potential remake that keeps surfacing every now and then? Not uh, uh, if oh, it's in the right hands. I mean, if it's just a cash in, and I, I don't like the thought of like we talked about earlier, overdoing Snake's background or seeing what happened before New York. I, I don't want to see that. I don't care. I don't know. I'm dubious. I just feel like I, I, I just don't feel the need for every single franchise to be exploited with remake, reboot, or sequel, you know? Right. But that's I, just me. I, I know that there's there's probably a demand for it, and they could probably make money off of it, you know, remake, and that's fine, you know? I, just, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny because, I mean... The premise lends itself to to having a remake. I wouldn't be. I mean, yeah. And yeah. The, what doesn't help is that you've seen this story in other way. Like, I mean, I mentioned Space Jail, uh, Lockout earlier. Doomsday. I mean, Doomsday is another one. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. movies that have already basically done the same thing again without having to remake it. And it's it's weird because it's like who like how what's the what's the added numerical value that you get from making a movie that's called Escape from New York versus just a movie that's called something else that happens to be similar. Like, exactly. Like, that's... Well, you know, back in the day, we used to look and I mean, take off ten years, and someone goes, "Let's remake Escape from New York," and you'd be like, "Why? There's nothing really that wrong with the movie aside from some off dates." And yeah. now it's just like, well, it's it's a French, it's you know, a name film. It had a sequel. It's got to be remade. But I mean, there's so we've gotten past the point of, well, the original was fine. Why are we remaking it? Now we're just to the well, what what's got a name next? I mean, they even. Re- did another thing movie uh, and well, they couldn't just decide on a name. They just called yeah. it the thing again. It's like, did did as well as and surprise does as well at the box office as the original, pretty much. Yeah. So it's funny. So I mean, these movies like making another Blade Runner. I mean, why could be an, yeah? Why like it, and it probably, I mean, to my mind? I mean, I know I know that you know they're always looking for more exploitable IPs and stuff and whatnot, but. I, I mean, don't, at least don't see Ridley, need. at least Ridley seems to want to do something like that. I mean, it's not like Carpenter wants to. Well, even then, I mean, Carpenter these teased the idea of Escape from World or whatever, but like it doesn't seem that's never going to happen. I'd yeah. be very, I'd be very surprised if it did happen. I guess, but Escape from Earth. But no, Carpenter's done with filmmaking. I think for the most part. Um, I mean, he feels he. Has, I mean, unless he feels he has something to say, he won't do. I mean, he's pretty. Ca- he's pretty happy just producing stuff, looking at scripts, and playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Video Xbox yeah. and watching the Lakers. That's you inject. You inject. If, if, if you follow him on Twitter, you will. You and you're a film fan. You will probably be massively disappointed in his tweets because <laughs> they're all they're like basketball and video game related. I mean, I'm I'm massively disappointed in Adam Baldwin as a person when I follow him on Twitter. So I mean, Carpenter's <laughs> a step. It's a step up. So. Step up. Um, Getting just to wrap. This I'm up not first. disappointed in Adrian Barbeau's tweets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not no. dis- I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I'm not disappointed in Adrian Barbeau. And anyway, before we yeah. get to that, I just want to wrap it up with the remake, reboot, and other stuff talk. I mean, George Miller seems to be doing it right. He's just like, you know what? Let's just make Mad Max Four. Let's do that. Let's yeah, like, that's like, what, why not? And, and, and let me and let me use you know the technology available to me to make it look awesome. And that's sure. that's what I'm seeing so far, and I'm looking forward to that. I guess. Yeah, very much so. If you make a new Snake Plissken movie that kept, takes place after L.A. and it's just another story and you have to recast the actor, then like, do that. Or if, you know, Kurt Russell and Carpenter get together to write a script and Rob Harmon just wants to produce and he, like, grandfathers yeah. some, some other production, sure, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what else there is to do in the world of Snake Plissken. I can see Mad Max, I think, lends itself to more yeah. stories. 
Snake Plissken. Mad Max, like, like Indiana Jones. Like, you don't have to reboot Indiana Jones. There's they, plenty of adventures in the middle that... That that character, those characters lend themselves to more stories. Snake Plissken, yeah. I mean, what else do you do with him? He's just like, he's still disgruntled and doesn't want to do something, but is drawn into it anyway. <laughs> like, he's going to throw him into some place where he, he's against the odds and has to escape. Like... Which, yeah. which is why Die Hard's like so, like oh my god. <laughs> um, I love the Ascot. Yes, I'm, fo- I'm focused Ascot on Barbeau nice. at this point. So uh, yeah, I'm trying. So, uh, I'm trying to a- focus. Adrian Bar- Barbeau. If not for Carpenter, would we know who she was? Really? Well, she surely, was on, the, surely uh, the Swamp Thing movie would have. This why we have Wes Craven's Swamp Thing. Yes. She's been a long run on the uh, Norman Lear TV series Maud. Yep. Yeah, she was Maud's daughter, and that's where she really like got her big break. And then she was in yeah Swamp Thing, Escape from New York, things like that. She was Fog, Escape from New York. Yeah, a ton of TV. Right. Yeah, a lot of TV. But I think that's where she really got known. Oh, here we go. I love this car with the chandeliers. Yeah. So oh yeah, awesome. and the music, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I love the. I, mean, I had to take my headphones off for a second because I do love this music a lot. <laughs> Isaac Hayes hasn't acted a ton, right? Or before this point, right? Truck like Turner? Truck Turner. <laughs> Beyond yeah. that, like, he, it's not like he's known for... I, I think he did. He, he was, was in plenty in of black exploitation movies. Not not a yeah. lot of... Not a lot of mainstream. Oh. And he was in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. That's that's after, though. That's, yeah, yeah, much after. That's 88. I think he was in he was in more than Truck Turner, but he wasn't like big... I'm looking black. at it now. Okay, he had a couple Rock Profiles episodes. He had... Uh, whack Watt Stacks, uh, three tough guys, Truck Turner. It seemed like a good idea at the time. So yeah, he only had like four things. Yeah. But he was in. an Oscar winner. Yep, that's right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I can dig it. Yeah, I mean after this move, but I, even then, I mean Truck Turner is one thing, but it seems I mean he's. I mean, he doesn't. He, he's got a present. He doesn't have range, but he has presence. He does that for sure, and I think he does it well in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Is <laughs> it Robin Hood Men in Tights? I'm just thinking back to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you, sucker! By the way, why is that? I can see that as a screen factor release. I'm sort of surprised that hasn't happened. Oh man, I love that movie. I haven't seen that one in a long time. It's so. It's. I mean, you look at that movie, and it's like, wow. Keenan Ivory Wayne's. That's like before um, in Living Color and everything too. That's, mm-hmm. That was like yeah. that was his breakout thing. That's like what got him noticed, right? Pretty yeah, cool. yeah. Like you got other little things, but I'm gonna get you, sucker. First time I ever saw Chris Rock was that movie too. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who wants one one rib. Can you break a hundred? <laughs> That is one fine, fine car. Is that the family truckster from National Lampoon's Vacation? <laughs> yeah, it's what happened. Modified it for the apocalypse? It's what happened, yeah. Clark Clark was sentenced to jail after the last vacation. Able to seat six scumbags comfortably. Tom Atkins is alive, right? Yeah, he's alive. Yeah. Chuck Cypher. Chuck Cypher's alive. Chuck Cypher looks drastically different as an old man. Yeah. 
Yeah, Atkins looks the same, but with white At- hair. Atkins, yeah. Yeah, Atkins does um, every around Christmas time. He does a one man show of Art Rooney. Huh. Uh, hmm. Here in Pittsburgh, uh, it's a, kind of a tradition. Every time uh, Patrick Lossier makes a movie, he's in it. I guess a lot of the cast is still alive. It's just um, Pleasance, Hayes, and Borgnine are the only ones that are. Or er, mm-hmm. Lee Van Cleef, sorry. So, like Harry Dean Stanton's like 185 years old. So. Yeah. It just uh, released a documentary about Harry Dean Stanton. On yeah, Netflix, actually, that was pretty good. Yeah, what's it? It's uh, called uh, Harry Dean Stanton, um, like partly fiction. Yeah, partly fiction. Yeah. I just, he's been in so many of my favorite movies. I mean, he's Alien, he's, he's just this, an interesting. He's Rio, everywhere. And... He's an interesting cat too. That's why you oh, yeah, a documentary totally. about him. Yeah. I didn't yeah, see yeah. the whole series, but I liked him on Big Love a lot. That was a pretty solid role for him. I like him in, in Seven Psychopaths. It's the, uh, the, oh. the Quaker. He's in the Avengers. Yeah, he's a yeah. pivotal pivotal part of the <laughs> Avengers. Yeah, he, I mean, he he's, got the Hulk pants, he's, dude. He's how, I mean, he's, how, he's how the Hulk gets his groove back. That's his role in the yeah, Avengers. Yeah. He had a lot of that for what just get a like guy that shows up for like one scene kind of movie thing. Yeah. I, just, I always thought Repo Man was probably his favorite. Oh, Repo Man, yeah. The lead role cool. of his, just so good. Yeah. Like, pretty in pink, for like something to change it up completely. Paris, Texas was a really good movie. He was in. Oh, Lens Flare, long before J.J. Abrams. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Was I just? I was just watching something that has like a ton of lens flare, and it's not J.J. Abrams, and it's not Michael Bay, and it's like my favorite lens flare movie. But, oh, well, Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> Punch oh, Drunk okay. Love has like a ton of lens flare in it from PTA, and it, it's like it's like my favorite lens flare filled movie. It just emphasizes the kind of fantasy realm that that movie exists in, which I like. You think it's easy for Snake to see at night, having one eye, in this very dimly lit? New York City. Hmm. Must not be easy for him to get around, I'd say. It's not easy for him to see to begin with. So. Yeah. Probably why he can't land a plane very well. A little lack of depth <laughs> perception might not be... Might... We'll give the guy with one eye a glider plane. Yeah. That... <laughs> Let's get... And, Let's get gu- and a gun with a scope on it. <laughs> well, that makes it easier, I assume. I love what they did with... Um... He's probably a great sniper. I think uh... that's what we can assume. With Rona Mitra's like faux Snake Plissken character in Doomsday, where they had she she had the one eye missing, but she could pull it out and use it as like a camera to see ahead of things. That was pretty cool. Doomsday might be a potential commentary movie as one day too. I I really like that movie a lot. I was a surprise for me too because I, I did not going in. I just seen a couple commercials and I was like, ah, go check this out. Not to interrupt, but I love the way yeah. that shot is framed. You actually see Snake sneaking in. Yeah, that's that's oh, all. Yeah. They're distracting him all in one shot. So. Doomsday, uh, heavily. I mean, that movie's Carpenter. Then it's, <laughs> then it's like it's, it's, it's uh, Dawn of the Dead. It's the Warriors. It's Escape from New York. It's, it's, it's Lord of the Rings. Road Warrior. <laughs> it's Lord of the Rings. It's like Conan the Barbarian. It's it's crazy how much stuff it is, yeah. and, it, and it just worked for me. It's awesome. See, I had second, so much fun. That second act doesn't work for me, but then the third act pulled me right back. Wait, in. Wait. Oh, are you talking about the, the Malcolm McDowell stuff? Yeah, like the, yeah, the, the it, medieval times stuff. There's an awesome little battle there, but yeah, it, it's where it's the weakest point of the movie, for sure. But then, yeah, then it gets to Road Warrior, like, oh my god. And it's like, yes. 
that was very cool, by the way. <laughs> Snake Plissken sneaking up and nailing that guy. Probably and, reverse and here's guy. another thing. Like, he's limping for a majority of the movie now because he yeah. has an arrow. <laughs> like, he actually got hurt by that. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to just pulling it out and, and wincing and then shaking it off. Like, it's and, not. And Pleasant's not... really had his finger cut off. It wasn't some faux person. <laughs> That's good continuity. Because, you know, some movies are like, we have a finger, but it's like one of their own people, and they're just trying to scare. But right. well, A crazy part was Donald Pleasance did it in real life to get into character. Yes. <laughs> so, He's that method. Yeah. He's the, he was the Shia LaBeouf of his day. <laughs> they had to cut it off and reattach it every day. <laughs> what if that was true? <laughs> oh, we should put it on, submit it to IMDb. Just right? To... In order to get... In order to get more prepared for the role, Donald Pleasance had his finger removed and would then proceed to, to sew it on and stitch it back and forth. According to Out Now Podcast, which was uh, not there at the time of filming. <laughs> By the way, captured. Like, this movie takes so many weird turns. It's crazy how the city is just primarily lit by random fires. Mm-hmm. Yet there's such a distinct shadow on that wall. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, Brandon, although uh, Brain and Maggie are meant to have feelings <laughs> each other, <laughs> yes. they show very few signs of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> that is a callback to our Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift commentary. <laughs> That is a deep fact right there. <laughs> Here he is. Nice hat. Nice everything. Look at those shoulders. Earrings. He looks like a pirate. Like a very fancy pirate. Or he likes Sergeant Pepper. That's much that's more likely, actually, probably. I if I if I had to guess, the Duke of New York City probably is a huge Sergeant Pepper fan. Yes. Like he probably got to, he probably went to prison. He probably went to Manhattan, like as a sentence for killing a guy who said that he liked they liked rubber sole more. <laughs> so he killed him. Now he's in prison here. Sure. I smell a fan fiction in the works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think? Um, you wonder why, like, certain, like, genre actors never worked with Carpenter? Like, someone like Ken Foree could have probably played, like, this role? He, uh... Or are they, like, devoted to, to something, like... Car- Carpenter has... He, he's got a thing with actors. I mean, he's not awful with them, but he, he likes people that just know how to do their job. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people he's passed up working with, or has not worked with after working one time, because they just... He's, you need to know how to go to work with Carpenter. He's not going to handhold you through things. And but people who know how to work with him know how to work with him. They like, you know, like Pleasance and and Russell. And, Pleasance uh, clearly, Jamie Lee Curtis clearly. Yeah. I'm so glad they're telling Carp- us that's a down view. <laughs> We've never been able to figure that out otherwise. <laughs> I, I hope there's alternate views that say like left view. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just down view. We have to tell you about it. Now, who's, who's the guy that was in the most Carpenter films? Is it not Cyphers or Atkins? No, no, it's um, um gosh, he's in uh, Prince of Darkness. Oh, uh, um, jeez. Um, Donald Pleasance. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> no, he did like Alice Cooper. Um, let's see. Seven, 
Seven Carpenter films or something? I can't remember. He's he's done the most. Jeez, that's gonna bug me. It's daytime night away. Um, that almost looks like a real shot. Is it? Is it a real shot of a, of a new? Bad, like, you know, I mean, they could have used a real shot. Uh, that was look, that didn't look like a matte painting. You get a foggy morning. I mean, yeah, that, that looked like it could have been a real shot of New York. More or like maybe it was just the model. Maybe the model's that convincing. For the life of me, I can't figure out the Peter Jason. Peter Jason? Yeah, he's in the most John Carpenter films. I think that's who it is. Prince of Darkness. They live. Village of the Damned. Hell Escape from L.A. Not any of the early ones, apparently. He's in all these older, the newer ones. Yeah, I think he started in Prince of Darkness. started with Prince of Darkness, apparently, yeah. Oh, okay. Do you guys like Prince of Darkness? I, I do. Yeah, it's it's I one do that too. I didn't, I was, I was, eh, back in the day, but as i gotten older, it's grown on me. It's just, I think it's a strong film. I think it's one of his underlooked ones. What about yeah, it? I do too. I think that and Mouse of Madness. I was about are, to say Mouse because that's his, yeah. that that the yeah. thing the thing overlooked. that in Prince of Darkness are um, his you know his, trilogy, his, apocalypse, yeah. his apocalypse trilogy. Yeah, uh, Prince of Darkness is just really creepy. I love it. it's got like the longest opening credits of his films. Which, yeah, it's it it goes on for I think ten minutes, um, but it's it's really awesome. Uh, just like you know, religious paranormal movie that only Carpenter could, could pull off. Because I feel I like it's not a movie I I love. I feel like I I like it. I like more of the ideas in it, mm-hmm. uh, but it just it is one where it kind of tests my patience in terms of Carpenter's style of pacing mixed with that movie. Like it works right. better here. It works better like the thing. There's a lot of stuff going on all the time in that movie, and even obviously like Halloween. But in that movie, it just like it because it goes on a long time with like Alice Cooper's dead eyes serving as a way to keep the plot moving, where it just doesn't work in, well enough for yeah. me. There's enough. It's got some plenty of weird in it to keep me going. Fair enough. And honestly, I haven't watched it like a ton to really like mm-hmm. appreciate it that way. So I mean, I watched it more perhaps. I think that the the home shot, the home video VHS thing of that entrance and something walking out is creepy. I do too. That's why. Yeah, I, I, like those are elements that I love about that movie. Yeah. But yeah the other things just it just doesn't work too much for me. Yeah. And hey, in the mouth of madness is definitely his last great film. Yeah, I really enjoyed that a lot more than most people seem to. Yeah, it's, I mean... Great? Yeah, I guess so. I mean... Yeah, his last, like, great... I mean, because after that, did he do Village of the Damned? Village of the Damned, then L.A., then Vampires, then Ghosts of Mars, which I don't mind that much. It's it's another one that kind of tests your patience, though, because not a lot happens. But. Yeah. But I think I, I just like that cast in that movie. That Cube, Henstridge, Jason Statham's early role. Yeah. Pam Greer. Pam Greer, yeah. I think there's a Carradine in there somewhere. One of those. One of those Carradine boys. Random Carradine. Yeah. I like this stuff, by the way. We're not talking about New York, but I do like all this with the present. Like, the, the clearly the torment that he's been put through in the in the hours since he's been captured again. Right. Look at these like these street thugs that like work for the Duke. <laughs> Just these these bodies. I mean, if you want, and you want to remake Escape from New York, why don't you do it as a uh, 24-style television show? That'd be fun. 
could work as that. I think a mini or a mini series or something like that. Do yeah, so, like series. put it put it in a different medium. That may that would be interesting. I mean, it's like kind of cliche now to do a TV series based on a movie, but I mean, some it'd be something different to see how they how they stretch it out and how they beef it up. It would work with that real time conceit, like Twenty Four House, absolutely. Yeah. Or maybe that could be the next season of Twenty Four. <laughs> Jack Bauer in post-apocalyptic New York. Yes. So looking through, it's like, oh my god, memoirs of a invisible man. Jeez, that's yeah. Like honestly, John like John Carpenter worked with Chevy Chase. Yep. Like, I, yeah, like I like in the mouth of Matt. Like, I think Sam Neill's. It's it's fun seeing him freak out. Like he does freak out very well, which is why Event Horizon is very effective. And, um, and then uh, uh, Possession too. Possession, yeah. But like, I, I guess I look at like They Live is like is my last Carpenter movie that I like love watching. Like I I like Mouth of Madness, but They Live is you know awesome. Yeah, no, They Live is awesome. But I I mean I of course I'm a fan of pretty much the whole catalog, but yeah. But yeah, definitely. There's, I, I see better ones. I, I do think I, I do think Madness, Mouth of Madness is great to me, at least. And, and so you know, they live is as well. I agree. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, more than it seemed like a lot of people did. But they, they live would be the most like aesthetically feeling of Carpenter films. Because I mean, Mouth of Madness kind of looks different. Yeah, it, it, and that's something I appreciate about that movie. It is him yeah. doing. He's doing a lot more, I guess, directorially than what he's normally used to, I guess, because it's so, it's got a Twilight zone aspect to it. Yeah. And the Lovecraftian stuff in there, I mean. It's... Right. But then you look at something like uh, like Village of the Damned, or, or like mm-hmm. Vampires, where it's like, all right, well. Vampires is like the closest he got to making a Western. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't mind Vampires. It's not one of my favorites, but it, it's all right. See, I saw Vampire. Like Vampires, after I saw From Dust Till Dawn, it's like I can. Well, yeah. I, I don't. I don't need other vampire movies for a while. After I saw that movie, <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need interviews. I don't need James Woods. Just give me. Just give me the Gecko Brothers. Give me that. I want more of that. And apparently they they agreed because they're like, okay, well here's here's Robert Patrick and a bunch of direct video From Dust Till Dawn sequels. Oof. Here we go. Here's the here's the here's the the boy with the snake tattoo. Yep. It's being One. led by Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. <laughs> oh, oh boy. I like it. again. It's it's not like this movie's expensive, so it's not like there's this grand entranceway. It's just like this crummy hallway that leads to this crummier room, <laughs> like these like, random guys. In I it. like all the buildings there and look very classical. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... they don't even look like modern for for like when this was filmed to me, to me at least. No, right, no, right, they, yeah, yeah. And again, Kurt Russell, you know, he's not a big, he's not a strapping guy. Like he, you know, he's just a normal guy, limping, no less. Yeah, like, he's, that's still, not... he's still hurt from his earlier wound, yeah. Barely gets into the ring. I don't know why I went over it, not just under the bar. His hair looks really good, though. Oh, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. 
Yeah. Gotta be the for hair. All, for all he's been through, his hair is, is really good. And now we get our... We get Ox. Tor Johnson. Ox, uh, Ox Baker. Um, slag. A fighter. Who, uh, who's dead, apparently. Died in the... No, he no, he's alive. My bad. He's 80. He's 80 years old. You just keep wanting people to be dead. I do. Jeez. That's my obsession here. Look at this mound of mass. Hairy mound of mass. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't want to get, get a bear hug from him. Yeah, he was obviously a, a wrestler. Looks like if he was wearing a t-shirt, it would never touch his chest. <laughs> Yeah, did a lot of wrestling, not many movies. Mm. His finishing move was the heart punch. Can you dig it? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wrong movie. Hanging out with the cast of Hook. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what—that's really what I, the impression I get every time. Just Lost Boys. Like, that's what they look like. That is one hell of a mustache, by the like a mustache beard. It really oh, yeah. goes the full length there. Quite a commitment. I wonder if this character like inspired Zongief in the Street Fighter games. <laughs> he does look like Zongief, you're right. I like that there's the and we'll fight with bats. Here's that fancy choreography coming into play. <laughs> like it like when he starts throwing him around it gets better, but that initial stuff of him just like bat, bat here, bat there. Yeah. <laughs> it gets it's pretty clunky. <laughs> Simplistic but effective. Well, that's another thing about Snake Plissken. I mean, he's no martial artist, you know. He's no. Yeah, it does, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, he's just a down and dirty fighter, you know. Which is how he wins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look at this guy. Uh, yeah, this is why I like this character. <laughs> he's very, he's very over dramatic, just because he wants to be. He probably puts this makeup on daily, gets his hair just the right spike, <laughs> and make sure to get in the character beforehand. He looks like a relative of Willem Dafoe, by the way. <laughs> it's like yeah. Willem Dafoe's like raccoon-eyed brother, John Dafoe. <laughs> Chad Dafoe. Chad Dafoe. John Chad. Chad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, he had dress-up time with the president. How oh, nice. And just, yeah, like playing house or dolly or whatever here. Uh, this, the uh, guy that Romero, our, our man, uh, Chad Defoe, uh, his name's Frank Doubleday, who's the father of Caitlin and Portia Doubleday. I believe one of them was the, like the mean girl in the new Carrie movie. Uh, oh. hmm. Portia Doubleday, yeah. Who was also we, in we've her. We talked about that movie enough today. We talked about that in our, in our horror podcast. She was also in her last year. She was the, like the surrogate type oh, okay. person in that film. And she was like the, I think she's like the lead in the, that Michael Sarah one, uh, Youth and Revolt. 
And I think Caitlin Doubleday, she's older, I think. Uh, yeah, there's also a character named Cronenberg, also obviously uh, an homage. To who? It's David Cronenberg. <laughs> oh, David. Ah, okay. uh, David. Skip, Skip Cronenberg. Famous Foley artist. Okay, round two of weapons. <laughs> Trash pail bat with, with nails in it. Nope, we've yes. upgraded. He's truly one of the garbage pail kids. Level two. I like, like, do you think Snake's even, like, worried about losing this fight, or do you think he's just, like, begrudgingly kind of going along? If he dies, he doesn't care. You think that's where he is? You you, you don't think it's just, like, he doesn't think it's too easy? He just just thinks he doesn't matter either way? Cool confidence. Because, yeah, I guess he's kind of trying, but, uh, he just seems so, like, sigh every time he gets a new, like, thing to have to do. It's more resigned nihilism than cool confidence. You yeah, know? yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> and this guy's just going at him. Dude. Yeah, he's wailing on him. I wonder what these things are made of. I guess plastic or something. But I mean, it, they are going the full mile in all this. It's not, you know. Oh, that's gonna leave a mark. Ow! And then boom! <laughs> that's a great shot. Oh, and, I, and just the the immediate like cheer done, <laughs> and then and then crowd turned right away. Snake, snake, yeah. snake, snake. That just falls out of his head. Yeah. Finally got his digital watch back. What do you think the Duke did to like get into position of power? He just beat like one guy and everyone started chanting his name. Duke! Yes. <laughs> the Duke in New York is one bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Duke in New York. A number one. We can dig we can it. Do it. <laughs> Well, I won. Where's everybody going? I gotta find my shirt. The Carpenter's a big wrestling fan, so he probably enjoyed that scene. Yeah. It's it's a much better um, display of his interest than um, basketball. (laughs) 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 You know, and I I like that scene. It's so goofy. In L.A., where he has to like, what does he have to do? Like, get to ten points or something? And... He has to. He has to. He's basically running like suicides, where he has to run across the court mm-hmm. and like keep hitting like shots a certain amount, and then he has to do a half court shot basically at the end because the time's running. I think out. it's a full court shot at the end. Or like, full he... court, yeah. yeah. And there's like snipers on him, right? So if he loses, he gets shot right away. Yeah, but he he pulls it off. <laughs> the second one like features a lot of like popular indie film people at the time too. It's like an all almost seems like an all because there's Steve Buscemi. Uh, yeah, um, uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell shows up. Um, obviously Paul. Uh, um, uh, um, Peter Fonda. He's not an indie guy. It was just fun to point about. Yeah. Cliff Roberts is the president. Pam Greer yeah. pops up. 
Yeah, Pam Stacey Greer pops Keech. up. Stacy Keach, Michelle he Forbes. Plays, he plays the, uh, he takes the lead in Cleve kind of role. Yeah. A, a Carradine pops up in there. Another uh, Carradine. Another Carradine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leland, Leland Orser, character actor Leland Orser's in there. The friend from My So-Called Life plays with the president's daughter. <laughs> Young Brecken Myers in that movie. I will say, Escape from L.A. has this awesome opening credits that gets you pumped for the movie. They got like a, a they got like a, a new take on the a little bit new take on the score, and it's got some cool opening titles credits. It's like, oh okay, and then Snake trades in his uh, digs for some cool leather, blah blah blah. <laughs> pre Matrix, pre Matrix even. Cool leather, blah blah blah. Wow. Yeah, it means it's not that cool. Of course, I have to get shot in the leg. We have to do the stairs. <laughs> he's he's making that look good. Like he certainly makes it look like he's got a limp right now. How fun do you think it was to set dress this? Oh yeah. <laughs> And then paper, clean up. Throw paper everywhere and tag the walls. Spray paint. Put a swastika on the... <laughs> no, no! What? I was waiting for this to happen. Oh, of course he was. You get in the hood. <laughs> he really has them all hiding out like right underneath there. Not till I say. Not, nope. Stay behind that pillar. Good shot, Snake. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool they made that kind of match the way the World Trade Center looks. Yeah, that's that was that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, in Product placement for Yellow uh, Cab. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, Yellow Cab and Chalk Full of Nuts get the get the workout in this yeah, movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, in the final chase scene in Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis also has a limp. Yeah. Mm. Not yeah, not above kicking down his heroes, John Carpenter. Yeah. I mean, the thing, everyone's just cold. (laughs) (laughs) The fog is... The fog's kind of weird. People are just fogging. Yeah. (laughs) People can't see. It's It's not as foggy as the mist, Mm. but it's still pretty foggy. They live. Keith David suffers from a case of shot in the face. (laughs) (laughs) please give all you can for our victims of shot in the face Kurt Russell's unconscious in Big Trouble Little China (laughs) he has nothing you can do I bet that Keith David thing that's just a brutal that's a great surprise death in that movie you just like you know because you're following like you figure these guys are going to save the day nope (laughs) not not both of them (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, it's, it's one thing to, like, die and have your destiny. It's another to get shot in the face. It's just... It's a shock. I mean, because that movie, it's not one that I, you know, it's not scary, that movie. It's it's definitely, like, steeped more in sci-fi and, and the blues, apparently. <laughs> but, um, yeah. it's, it's not a movie that's really, like, one to scare you. So, like, that scene happens after all the other stuff they went through, including, you know, the 15-minute fight scene between him and Rowdy Roddy Piper. It's like, oh, now he's just shot in the face. That's it. Gosh. Good determination look on Isaac Hayes' face just then. Yeah. This scene, like, this whole ending is really a downer, by the way. <laughs> like, I mean, the movie in general is kind of a downer. I mean, they, Snake saves the day, he doesn't die, but like, all his, all his helpers, <laughs> all his, all his helpers die. He's like wounded. President doesn't get what he wants. Like, Snake does, takes that away from him. It's just like, there's, there's, it's not a lot of wind in this. John Carpenter purchased the old Chain of Rocks Bridge in St. Louis where this scene was shot for one dollar from the government, and then returned it to them for the same amount after filming was, filming was completed. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, the mines. <laughs> the idea of... how it cracks the card right in half. Yeah, right. That's how effective the mines are. I love the fact that they're like, there's a map of these mines, and it's like, it's a pretty narrow bridge. What are we, <laughs> what are we doing, guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're driving around these, are we? Is that the plan? The only scene in this movie that is actually filmed in New York was the opening dolly shot, which follows the character past the Statue of Liberty. Huh. Oh, wow. That was a good movie. I mean, even establishing shots, even? or. Yep, it says it's the only scene. So, the internet doesn't lie to me, does it? It shouldn't. Oh, no. Look at that nice flashlight on top there, like it's a laser. Gabby's gone. Yeah, I never noticed that. Little lens player here. That is kind of... It- and the Harry Dean Stanton dies. It's like, oh. Yeah. In uh, in the prison in New York, there will be tons of paper everywhere on the streets and in the buildings. And Wow, I didn't know that production IG uh, was uh, working on an anime based on the movie. Hmm. Um, with uh, Mitsuru Hongo as the director uh, under the supervision of John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and Kurt Russell. You, you know, there's not a lot of, like, Kurt Russell's doing his snake thing for the most part. I do like his kind of, his pleading with Maggie, you know, because he does want to, you're, you're seeing it in his face right here where you kind of see that he, it's not that he's, you know, friends or great, it's just like, we gotta go. Like you kind of, you're getting some acting out of him here. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not that he's not. Yeah. But you just get, you get, you get some dramatic acting work, I guess, from him here. Where, and Barbeau's trying to bring it too. You know, in a, in a movie like this, that's so, you know, stylish and cynical. I guess it's, you know, it's nice to see like little emotional beats of like, you know, people are dying. Like right. they've been helping me, and I, <laughs> do trying to do my best here, but I, I want you to come. <laughs> so. Barbeau gets it too. <laughs> they don't take yeah. Prisoners in this movie. Jeez. Nails her. Oh. 
she gets it the worst too. Like Cabby blows up, kind of. Harry Dean Sand blows up. She gets she gets destroyed by Isaac. She Hicks consciously knows it's coming. And yeah. Bloody. Chuck Cypress just got there. I just, I just realized <laughs> he was running the whole time. Oh. <laughs> the biggest phone in the county. <laughs> Look at that thing! Oh my god. Oh. He's also wearing an earring. I, I think he borrowed that from a giant. Yeah, he went to the Harrison Ford School of Earrings back in the... Screw the Zach Morris phone. I want the Levon Cleef Hawk phone from Escape from New York. Yeah, we're getting towards the end here. We're going to rescue the president. Snake's, like, hobbling his way over to the, the end of the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look how spry Donald Pleasance is. Like, he's all game for oh, this. Oh, yeah. Station. Even show, showing some of his monster bod. <laughs> he's so helpless. You know, I mean, Halloween didn't, like, fully... I mean, it rejuvenated Pleasant's career, but it got him mainly a lot of just a genre work. Because he went on to, like, work with Argento, and... He was yeah, doing a lot of low-budget European films, yeah. too, I know. Um, some of them ended up on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not like he was suddenly, you know... It, <laughs> it wasn't like Travolta in the 90s, it was... It wasn't like it wasn't like like getting Bruce Dern roles now. Like it's not like he right. didn't have, he didn't have some kind of like comeback Oscar role after doing Halloween. <laughs> I know. feel like I feel like he's an actor that missed out on that. Like had you know he not been as old, like he'd have been utilized in those dramas and stuff. Like nowadays, where people you know restore older actors' careers, like from works like this. Maybe, or maybe he just liked having more fun on sets. Maybe he didn't feel like uh, doing yeah. the, the kind of. I mean, he he had his early days as you know a a a, a, a steamed British actor, and he had yeah. you know he had you know he had things like longest what is it uh, longest day, yeah, great was, escape, great escape. Is he in longest day? Everyone's in that. I'm in that movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah. are you really? Wow. Day, yes. <laughs> um, but no, you know, you know, he had a long kind of career as a as a as a British thespian. And maybe, yeah. maybe he just kind of dug doing genre stuff. Maybe yeah. that was just more fun for him. Did feel yeah. like stud- I'm, I'm just saying, like, the times of change, I mean, where he would have, you know, possibly been somewhere where that filmmaker was a big fan and sure. yeah. brought him back for, like, a drama or prestige picture or something like that and rejuvenated him. But then again, it could have been like a David Carradine where it just didn't happen. He hosted Saturday Night Live once in 81. On for Halloween 2. For, for Halloween 2? Yep. 81? Oh, yeah, I guess so. It was Belushi's last SNL appearance when he hosted. Oh, wow. He was in Django, too. With Franco Nero. He was in The Puma Man. <laughs> he, had that, he had that one uh, slasher movie, Alone in the Dark, that a lot of people like with uh, Jack Palance. Mm-hmm. I'm still alive, guys, so I guess you did it, but I'm really pissed off at you. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to kill you, Hulk. Down to the last second. 
It's a Tom Atkins walking place to place in this movie. Yeah, he really <laughs> he really wanted to work out in this part. That's, that's part of the requirements, I'm sure. I love how we got to get the president ready to go, like right yes. here. Yep. Don't dress him. Don't do. Just get the makeup going. We'll be good. This never happened. Wait, and he has like an accent, right? Like this is the, we get some prolonged talking here, and he has somewhat of a, an attempted an American accent. More smoky. And yeah, here's where you kind of. You I don't get know. anybody working on me with a straight razor? I don't think I'd be talking. Mm. Yeah, at he's all. the president. He can trust it. That's where you, I mean, there's where you get all the all you, all Snake needs to know about the president, where he's you know checking himself in the mirror as he's addressing the fact that people died to save him, and he hardly cares. <laughs> That said, that that scene where you know he shoots uh, the Duke, where he gets back at him, that's a fun scene. Oh yeah. What's he yelling? What's he yelling? It's like, uh, like I'm the Duke now or something like that. He's yelling at him. No, he yells, "You're the Duke." A You're the one. Duke. A, a number one. There we go. That's us. Yeah. Lee Van Cleef trying to lay it on. What do you think the job would be? Going to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> I got some landscaping for you, Pliskin. Good little open and closer from Snake. Early on, he says, "Call me Snake. Call me Pliskin." Mm-hmm. to put a suit on him. Mm-hmm. Man, they hit that bruise well. <laughs> yeah. This movie do well? I guess so, right? I think it was. Yeah, this is a moderate hit, I think. Because it must have been cheap. Like, what? Like, six million? Something like that? I think that's, that's, looking at, I that's think. only just a million. Uh, the whole... whole was seven million. Okay, I see it. It grows to 25 in the summer of 81. Mostly positive reviews. So yeah, I mean, it did what it did. It's one of those movies that was big back in the day and then since it's kind of become a cult movie. Oh yeah, definitely. So then... And yeah, there we got the uh, Snake's Rebellion. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing they're trying <laughs> the one thing they're trying to do, gone. In memory of Cavi. I just I just doomed all of Western civilization to memorialize my friend. <laughs> Girl in chock full of nuts. It's a good credit. <laughs> yeah, that's wasn't a state. That wasn't yeah. that a Smith song? Girl in chock full of nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Escape from New York. Awesome. Yeah. I got to watch it twice in the past two days. I'm so so pleased. Who could forget Gypsy number three? This is my favorite one. <laughs> the red bandana Gypsy was mine. I prefer Third Indian, thank you. <laughs> John Deal is punk. 
Carmen Filthy, bum, drunk. <laughs> Punk bum, <laughs> drunk, right in a row. And slag. Dick Warlock, he was um, Michael Myers in Halloween 2. There you go. And also um, one of the uh, guys in uh, Halloween 3, one of the robot guys, mm. was the uh, stunt coordinator on that film. Mm. Does Starman have a Blu-ray yet? Yes. Isn't it good? Um, I actually don't own it because it was it was kind of high priced when I looked at it. I was like, ah, I'd pay a little less. It has like nothing on it too, right? Like, I think so. Yeah. Mm. I like. Stuff I think I think Carpenter does approve all the transfers on his old films. It's definitely but, Carpenter's most like Hollywood quote unquote movie. You know, it's his second highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. And the only time he ever got an Academy Award nomination on a film. It was or, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Jeff uh, Bridges, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I like that movie. Adult E.T. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I I think Karen Allen's really good in it. Uh, Bridges is obviously good in it, but I think Karen Allen as, you know, a widower. I think she does a... Yeah. Or a, wid, a widow, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dream. And I generally find Charles Martin Smith annoying, so I was happy to like him in that movie. That's me. I know people like Untouchables, but <laughs> I think he's annoying in that movie. So. Or um, American Graffiti. That's better, but he's yeah. not. He's not the focus, so it works for me. American Graffiti. Um, anyway, Escape from New York. Yeah, holds up. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's Kurt, still, Kurt Russell's it's, great. I mean, it's it's a shortish movie. Uh, just like I said, it really gets to the point. It gets it hits the ground running and just keeps going. And you know, there are points where it's not you know tightly scripted from plot point to plot point, but it still has a real you know kinetic energy to it that just like propels you through the movie. And I mean, I've watched it like I said dozens and dozens of times, and I'm still. I still find I still notice things about it, or you know, appreciate it in different ways. Especially for I mean, being a movie that it's not you know a happy movie. Like it's about an antihero. It's very yeah. you know, a lot of people die on both ends. It, it defies a lot of conventions to make it kind of typical action hero movie kind of thing. It's it can't, like we didn't talk about like where this came from, but I think like uh, it says Carpenter like wrote the script kind of after after Watergate happened, and so it was kind of an a way to of addressing the addressing where people where the public's perception is kind of, <laughs> Cause when I think was. Watergate I think Snake Plissken yeah. <laughs> it's just so uh, so obvious if you look at it so I mean it's you know it's certainly not traditional by any means of what it was doing at it. especially you know being in the 80s like in the 70s you have and Brandon we were talking about this but you have a kind of a, a reaction to culture mix of experimentation uh, of you know, in kind of style of film and whatnot, and the this is you know eighty one. It's just Carpenter. It's doing his him doing his own thing. He wrote the script like in the seventies, I guess, so that kind of applies to it. But it's it feels different from other things. Fits in his oeuvre, that's for sure. Oh yeah, totally. Easily, yeah. It's my second favorite film of his. Behind what the thing or Halloween, obviously. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or is what the I thing always... is the thing third. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure things are, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd go this, and then Halloween, and then the thing, so. But it's not like it's like a huge gap between Escape yeah, and yeah, Escape. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like splitting hairs. Yeah. All right, well, we, uh, we've we wrapped this one up. The movie's over, so I guess we should end this now. But yeah, that's been the uh, the commentary 
for Escape from New York that we provided. So I hope you guys enjoyed it for you listeners that have you know stuck around to the end here. Um, before we take off, uh, Jim Deeds, where can people find more of your work online? HHWLOD.com is the home of the HHWLOD podcast network, where you can find all kinds of cool and groovy podcasts all about fun and groovy things, uh, including the DC TV podcast, which I host, the uh, Walking Dead TV podcast, which Aaron and I are both a part of, and the Ichapod Cranecast, in which Aaron and Brandon talk about the wonderful Sleepy Hollow show on Fox. Uh, if you're a geek, you're bound to find something you enjoy there, HHWLOD.com. Brandon? Uh, Napto Nerd, uh, naptonerd.blogspot.com. That's my uh, film blog. You can find plenty of retrospective series. I also write for Weissel Blue, where you see a lot of Blu-ray reviews from me and some editorial pieces. And I'm on Twitter, at BT Peters. You can find me at Aaron's PS4 on Twitter, and you can follow my personal site, thecodazeek.com, where I write all my written reviews and post them there, also at Weissel Blue. And, uh, yeah, uh, you, you know where you can find out now. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podomatic, everywhere. You can follow us on Twitter at outnow underscore podcast and many other ways to get a hold of us. Uh, but yeah, this has been fun, guys, as always. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been looking for this one for like a year. Yeah, well, we finally did it. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, until next month's commentary track, that's going to do it for this month's episode, this month's bonus commentary episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Goodbye.